is Kiki Rai, and you're listening to For the... listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from WoW Dogs, and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the, what the hell date is it? The 25th of January. With me, same as usual, we've got Joe as well as Enrique. Joe from World of Maticus as well as We of the Totem and Enrique from Spooncraft. Boys, how are you guys doing? Fantastic. Fantastic, yes. Except doing for your little problem now. with Steam. Other yeah. than that, you're doing fine. Yeah. But in all honesty, it's no worse than my problem with GameStop, where I told them to cancel one part of the order, and the entire order was gone. So, Yeah, I, I can understand that to a certain point, but it's like, I didn't want to cancel it. I actually still wanted to play it. <laughs> I was just asking, and they did it anyway, the fuckers. <laughs> and now they're reselling your key to somebody else. Probably the goddamn Coxdanes. Do you need to get more out? Are you going to yes, reserve yes, yes. some angst? Okay, I'm sorry. If you are going to oh, exist okay. in a perf- in a totally digital environment where you have no number for customers to contact you for support, learn to fucking read English. I couldn't have possibly made it any clearer. I couldn't have used smaller words with less syllables to drive my point home. Ugh! Seriously, just use big words. read. Do, do you not get the irony of this, though? That a Hispanic dude is bitching because they don't know any goddamn English? It is fucking hilarious. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is The irony is not lost on me, but yes. It's karma is what I call it. So I I, I find this absolutely hilarious. Yes, is karma, I'm... because you I was the one defending the game last podcast. Go figure. <laughs> I just think it's cursed, the whole... The whole... I, th- I think Star Trek is cursed, but that's just me. You know, as every Star Trek game has come out of stock. That's fine. I'm just gonna wait. I'm, I'm just gonna wait for the credit to go back into my account and then order it again. Fuckers. <laughs> for those who are listening as well, we got the interview with the lead writer for Star Trek Online, Christine Thompson. Again, she had uh, graciously agreed to do the interview with us again. And we did change up some of the questions, so it's not the same interview again. So if you, even though you did listen, if you did get a chance to listen to it when it was live, before it was destroyed by my corrupt file, um, it's worth listening to again. She, uh, we, Because Joe and I have been playing it a little bit more, we were able to dig into it a little bit more with her to find out... Um, to get a little bit more information in terms of what we can look forward to as the game progresses, because we were very honest with her, at least I most certainly was, that as it stands now at the lower levels, it is in some cases far too simple, for lack of a better term, in terms of what you can expect 
in terms of ship battles as well as in terms of your away missions. It's good to hear that there is more coming up and they are continually working on it because as it stands with those early levels, part of it is disappointing. And But I have to keep reminding myself that it is those early levels. It's the equivalent of go kill 10 rats. So I'm very much looking forward to the release and actually really digging into it. Hopefully by then they will not have the connection problems that they've been having and will actually be able to log in and hey, just for shits and giggles play the game. That would be cool. That would be cool because that was definitely annoying trying to log into the goddamn game and you are unable to log in. Please try again later. Like, I could just imagine the voice of hell saying that over and over and over again. And we just wanted to stab it. It was well, very annoying. It was. That's and the problem. gamers. The, the, the thing, too, is and they recently, recently had an article on this on Massively as well, where they talked about open betas and how open betas nowadays are supposed to be just for stress testing and advertising your game not for fine-tuning it and we're seeing fine-tuning here we're seeing a lot of fine not just fine-tuning we're <laughs> we're seeing big old fucking monkey wrenches coming out and making sweeping changes of things and i don't think that should be happening this late in development for a game but it is so what does that mean for release honestly who the fuck knows anything can happen at release i I'm, i've got my fingers crossed i'm hoping for the best but i mean really who knows I have nothing else really to add to that. It's just a matter of waiting, really. I mean, I, I, I am excited for the game. I mean, hell, I was logged into the beta and playing it right before the show. I logged out to come before the show. I mean, I'm still having a blast in it. It's When you can get in, it's a fun game. Yeah, and and when they do things right in terms of the the ship combat as well, it is fun. It is, it's very well done. I'm, I'm hoping that I don't get tired of it though because again like i was telling her there's only so many things you can do in a ship i mean you can explore you can scan or you can fight or escort that's it so i don't know what else to expect later on i'm i'm hoping there's going to be a lot more I, again it, who knows um coming out this week though ha <laughs> mass effect 2 the oh. fuckers haven't messed with that thank you oh that's still there there was a fantastic Ustream video yesterday. Um, Sammy actually saw it. I don't know if you watched the whole thing, Sammy. I know that we were chatting on Twitter a little bit here and there. It was fantastic. Really, really cool stuff. They gave... Oh, man. They were giving away shit, too, like that N7 ball cap. I... I mean borderline would blow someone for that that was so goddamn cool and then there was the uh they they actually they gave away a collector's edition of the game they gave away a collector's edition of dragon age origins apparently i didn't listen to the whole thing they were giving away an xbox 360 a ps3 and a high-end um computer as well and that was with uh, chris Priestley and derek larky larky or lark anyways um they were both very good they also had um greg the Dr. Greg, the um, the co-founder of Bioware on there as well to answer a bunch of questions. It was really cool because these guys were just like chilling down, watching there was a, a football game going on at the same time. They were obviously in a pub. They were all set up with the, the laptops to, to, to do the, the, the podcast. Very, very relaxed atmosphere. They were giving shit away to their crew because it was obviously a Bioware party to celebrate the release of the um, 
of the um, the game. And so they're just chilling out at this bar, having fun with the rest of the team who worked on this. And yeah, Chris was drinking beer out of the freaking pitcher. Like, no no glasses for this fucker. I mean, he's drinking right out of the pitcher. They, it, and it was very good. They, a lot of information came out about Mass Effect 2 that we had not heard yet. They've been pretty forthcoming with a lot of information um, on it and some of it like downright spoilers, but from everything that I've been reading about this, it's just, I mean, the fact that it's going to be importing save games so that whatever you did in Mass Effect 1 has the potential of not only affecting what's in Mass Effect 2, but also Mass Effect 3. That's fucking awesome. No other game has done that. That is too goddamn cool. Um, the fact that the um, your team, if your team survived Mass Effect 1, they may not make an appearance in 2, or they may, but they'll be referenced, but they may actually make an appearance or be referenced in 3. They're planning that far ahead. So it really gives you... Uh, um, you really want to try to save your team as much as you can while you're playing because it's possible to lose them all uh, in Mass Effect 2 and it's it's possible to actually die as well. So there is a lot that they laid on the line there last night that is just absolutely mind-numbing to the point where I, I've been playing Mass Effect 1 now, which this is why I curse wow sometimes because it kills your desire to play other games and i was knee deep in wow while i was when uh, mass effect one came out so i never played it so i'm playing through it now saying this is a fucking awesome game i'm having a blast and i cannot wait for two to come out i like the fact that they're planning so far ahead too i mean we we i sing bioshock's praises or bioshock i, I bioware's praises over and over and over again. And this is just a further showcase of, of how much they really put into their games. I mean, uh, to have that much forethought, to have that much planned for it, uh, to announce the wave of downloadable content that's already available and waiting to go on Xbox Live as well as through the game itself, and the fact that they're going to be making full effect of a Cerebus network, uh, the point that they're making all of your hard work from one and now going to be two, uh, roll into three and carry on throughout the entire story of the game. That's huge. I mean, especially when you have such a personal investment in your game time. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I dumped countless dozens of hours into the first one. I mean, I spent like probably 30 or 40 hours just in the main hub of the game, just talking and, and getting story points and everything like that. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of nifty to see that be able to translate into two. And uh, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure my goddamn team lives in two and carry on into three. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's kind of epic and it really does feel epic. And I think that's cool as well, because how many games can we really say truly have that epic feel to them? Honestly. Well, that's the thing. That's that's what I felt with Dragon Age Origins, which is giving me that much more faith in Mass Effect 2. Like, again, having not played the first one, I I wasn't hesitant. I I put a lot of faith in them because of Dragon Age Origins. And because, uh, you know, KOTAR and and stuff like that, you know they know how to do a, a, a game. That being said, now playing through Mass Effect, the more I'm playing it, the more I'm getting comfortable with the controls and things like that. I'm fucking loving it. I'm absolutely loving every aspect, except for the elevators. Not crazy about the elevators. <laughs> that like I know it's a, a a scene cut kind of thing where they're 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 doing the scene cut in the background, so you're you'd, you'd get something. You know, elsewhere. At least it's not the elevator scenes from Wet. 
<laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Still, <laughs> so because of all that, I am actually putting a lot of of, of faith into already, and th- with all the DLC that's coming out uh, for it, they're obviously going to support it. Now, granted, taking him, which I I mentioned yesterday, but the text was flying by so fast, as undoubtedly they didn't read it, but. Unfortunately, because of Return to Ostagar, the faith in DLC and Bioware, not quite what it should be. So hopefully that's going to be under control. I hope so, too. And, and, and well, I have to touch on that a little bit. Ostagar really is like the thorn in my side. I crave it. I want it. And every time I get this little tidbit that it might be out, it's taken away from me. And I just hope that the downloadable content for Mass Effect does not suffer from that foible. Really, really hope. Fingers are crossed. Well, I, I want to ask you something. Do you, do we know why it's being delayed? Is it because it's yes. cross-platform or what? No, there's there's two reasons that it was delayed. First one was uh, – the first reason was it was disabling uh, second the specializations on classes randomly in clients. So you'd log in. You'd have all four tiers of your specialization and not be able to use any of the abilities. They would just go away. Um, nice. The second one is it was causing a graphical uh, bug that was uh, causing the game to crash, take longer load times. And it also accompanied with the loss of all of your Bioware points. So you would download it, and if you had, like, let's say 3,000 Bioware points, Mm -hmm. yeah, they were all gone, and, you know, it took a while to, you know, bring everything back. So they had to pull it again. It was released for about a day on the Xbox, and some people were lucky to get it, and then it was released for a day uh, through the PC, and some people were able to get it, and then they had to yank, they yank it both times. So it was I the just, same problem with both platforms? Both platforms, yeah. It was just randomly occurring. Wow. All right. Never mind. I thought so, it had maybe something to do with the fact that um, why there's delays and why you know people were having faith is because uh, they're having a program and code and shit for the Xbox and the PC, but uh, if it's the same problem, then boom, doom. That's that's internal shit. That's their problem. Exactly, which is why they pulled it. Is my understanding. So, but the, the fact that they're not being very forth, forthcoming with their information as well in terms of why the, is not boding well with a lot of people right now. So I think that's part of the problem. So you, if you're if you're going to be relying heavily on DLC to keep your games of, alive, and that's the business model that you're going with in the future, here's a tip, folks. Don't leave your clientele in the dark because it really pisses them off big time. What's also pissing off people, too, is the price of the expansion pack. Yes. The the fact that they're saying that it's going to be between 10 and 12 hours of extra game time and they're charging $40 for it, Eee, I don't know. I better there, get a fucking golden crusted cookie. I better get a golden crusted cookie that will make me fucking dinner. Because for forty dollars for ten hours, that's not a lot. I mean, we spent what fifty dollars on our versions of the game, and we got what sixty hours ish average, fifty to sixty hours of gameplay out of it. So yeah, not 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 pleased. Not pleased with the price. If it was thirty dollars, that's I mean, I know it's only a ten dollar difference, but I'd be slightly more okay with it. Just gotta say. It is it, the thing is is that ten to twelve hours is not nearly enough for that price point. It's not about being cheap and saying, well, it's only ten dollars left if, if they did thirty. It's you gotta factor in the amount of games that people are playing. So $10 
here, $10 there does make a huge difference. And you got to factor in how much time you can expect per kind of thing. So it does make a big difference. And at 10 to 12 hours per for, for 40 is way, way too much. I am not impressed with that. But I mean, the price is set and that's that. So whether or not it is going to actually be more than the 10 to 12 hours, who knows, but early reports say that's what it is. Here, here's hoping. Yeah. Um, other news this week, the Star Trek Online beta got a huge freaking patch. Again, here we are talking about open beta is supposed to be for stress testing, not for huge sweeping changes. And they implemented this big mother of a fucking patch that's that's just loaded with shit here um they did extend the beta by one day although from what i read they're extending it to 6 p.m what is, is it 6 p.m eastern or pacific pacific on the 26th correct yep tuesday it was supposed to end on the 26th anyways i don't understand this extra day I don't understand either. I don't get it. Yeah, that makes no sense. I read that and I thought, okay, maybe I just read something wrong because from what I read, it was supposed to end on the 26th. So here they're saying it's going to end at 6 p.m. Pacific on the 26th. Well, fuck, dude, that's not a full day. And again, maybe it was a typo. I didn't check through everything, but who knows? Um I don't know. See, you and I have a slightly different opinion about that, Joe. You are far more forgiving of this, and you have more of a an opinion that they can be making huge changes during beta. I personally don't beta, think so. The, the, that's just because the way I look at betas, things have changed, really. I mean, it, betas, aside from game companies like, let's say, Blizzard, are more or less this type of thing now it's not no longer just stress testing this is what they're doing with it so yes i'm a little more forgiving about it because i've seen it more often and you know i've i've seen it not just with cryptic but with other game companies so i'm okay with it to a certain extent but there is a point where it does become ridiculous um and right now we are on that that borderline where you know we, we step take one step past it and then that's what's going to happen it's going to be fucking ridiculous um and the, honestly, if they were to give it another week of open beta and then really push the stress testing, fine. I can understand that. But, I mean, we waited, what, a week before they really updated everything? You know, and, and I don't know. Like I said, I'm a little more forgiving about it, but I was still very disappointed. And, and again, these are not minor changes. Go to no. StarTrekOnline.com slash node slash 910. We also linked this on For the Lore, so you can go to the post that Joe had made about the state of the game, and I linked it in a comment. This is fucking huge. I mean, right down to missions and PvP and environments, skills and powers and combat. Like, I mean, I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling through stuff. This is... This is, in my opinion, far too reaching for a change at the beta stage. Closed beta, fine. Open beta with only a couple of weeks left. Like, I mean, the head start is on the what, the 29th, isn't it? I think the the head start is starting on the 29th. It's supposed I'm to be the 29th, yeah. That's the head, that's it. That's the game. Which, like, I'm, which is why I'm raging about the other problem. Yeah, that's like Friday. What the fuck, dude? This is, these are, like, you're rushing this product. That that's you, There's no denying that. This is really rushing. Like, if they're making this many changes this close to when they're going to release the game, Head Start, then I'm expecting problems. 
I, I'm expecting lots of problems. And yeah, memories of Ion's head start are just starting to make my brain hurt. That's because everybody's trying to rush a game because they want to compete, obviously. And I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm of the opinion that betas these days for the vast majority of companies have become nothing more than a stress test and a hype machine. That's pretty much all it is, is for people to hype it up, people to say how wonderful and great it is. And then, you know, the problems that you had are still going to be the problems when it's released and are going to be the problems for a month and a half after release. And that's just the name of the game. I mean... I don't know, man. I've been I've been following STO from what you guys have been saying. I've been following it, even looking up on the little on the little forums and whatnot, and the links that you put up there. I'm thinking to myself, man, this is the kind of shit that you guys should be should have been dealing with uh, a month ago at the very least. You know, I mean, the game is being released. God, what in, in two weeks, two and a half weeks, or something like that? Is is that release date for this game? Not even. It's coming out on the the official release date is the second. The head starts Ground on the 29th. Day, yeah. Okay, so, so in uh, so Friday. In, Basically, yeah. Friday. This game is the head start is coming out on Friday. And they're making these huge sweeping changes. They did this. When was the actual date on this? This was That was on the weekend or was it Friday last week? I think it was Friday last week. Yeah. Well, the fact the fact that they're making big changes isn't isn't a big issue with the beta. I mean, if they're making big changes, they're making big changes. You know, they could do it now, early, whenever the hell. The big problem with this is that if you make these huge sweeping changes, it has a domino effect. Something is going to fucking break when you have such a broad list of things that you're changing, and then they're going to be trying to track down what broke and found out what new bugs were caused when they repaired when they repaired this bug or when they changed this mechanic. So I don't know. That's a really dangerous game to play with a game that's less than seven days away which is exactly what i'm thinking moving on from there uh borderlands was announcing even more dlc we want to talk about dlc everybody's going that route now and they that are talking about a level cap increase as well which is very cool the the borderlands is really staying alive there there the ip is doing very well it actually made a lot of money they were talking about how well it did in 2009 and it did amazingly and it's it's helping that they're keeping it alive as well are either of you still playing it? No, I, I honestly I have not touched Borderlands. I played um, the Zombie Island of Doctor Zed, and I just wasn't terribly impressed with it. So I kind of moved away from it and just kept hunting in, in Left 4 Dead 2. Um, overall, I mean, it was a great game to play with friends, but I just there wasn't enough keeping me in it. So I, I haven't really kept playing. I've really stepped back from it. Honestly, the biggest selling point for that game for me was that it was very reminiscent of the way that you played Diablo 2. The funnest part of Diablo 2 for me was when I got up with a group of friends. Now, on the PC, that was nigh impossible. Let's just be honest here. The reason that I, I mean, I, I dropped uh, uh, Borderlands for Left 4 Dead 2 wholeheartedly because in Left 4 Dead 2, I have about maybe two minutes wait time total from the moment that I double click the icon on my desktop to the moment that I'm actually playing and fully loaded in a match talking with people with voice chat with Borderlands um, the amount of hoops that you had to go through just to pull that shit off on a PC was fucking ridiculous it was it was borderline offensive to me it was like insulting and then on, on a console I haven't tried it yet so I can't really you know I can't comment but I imagine at least on the 360 you have access to Xbox Live and as well you know we hate the people on Xbox Live for the most part but at least you got to fucking play the game with somebody else another human being and without having to 
you know, like synchronize the goddamn sundials and, you know, and call in fucking NORAD to get Roger to somehow link up to my particular connections. Just, yeah, man, I'm, I'm well, done with that. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, I had to install a third party software game ranger just to get fucking Borderlands to connect to anybody else uh, through not even their own servers, through private fucking servers that somebody had set up to run these games through a third party organization. I shouldn't have to do that just to play a goddamn game. I shouldn't have to do that to go shoot shit with friends. You know, it just it, it was it was just too much for what it was. And that that really stuck in my craw. I didn't have nearly the amount of problems that you both had. Granted, I didn't play with nearly as many different random people, but like I had no problems connecting to the games with my buddies and whatnot. Especially one of my buddies, Terry, we were playing and had a blast and never had any problems. The only real problem we had was just with the um, the voice chat. But once we once we disabled that and just used Skype, we were laughing. Um, I'm not playing Borderlands nearly as much anymore. I still pop in sometimes and play, although I did not pick up the new DLC simply because it's not worth the money for me right now because I'm not playing it enough. And with APB, hopefully... Coming soon, yeah. that's going to definitely take up my time. And then also, I don't know if you guys checked out Brink that I uh, was talking about on the Looks site good. as well. Developed by Splash Damage and published by Bethesda. This fucking game looks awesome. If you guys have not checked this out yet, anybody listen, go to BrinkTheGame.com. It looks really cool. There's some very interesting effects that they're doing in the game, um, game mechanics that you don't see in other games right now. And I'm not just talking about their smart technology where you just press a button to leap over and, and jump, things like that. As cool as that is, I like the various experience points given to you based on how you help out a mission, based on what is needed to to optimize the mission and and things like that. And it just looked goddamn cool. I haven't been following it nearly as much as you have, and I, I feel that I should. Uh, so that's pretty much my own fault. But from the what little I've read about it, it does sound like a very cool concept. And it's something that, honestly, now that I'm hearing about it from, well, you, uh, your excitement about it's got me, you know, I really want to take a look at it. Because anything that will reward you for filling in the roles of a party uh, to make the mission a success, that's kind of huge. Um, I mean, Warhammer tried that with uh, the Warhammer Age of Reckoning, and it worked somewhat, but it was still a flawed system. And to be able to see a game successfully do that, I'll be incredibly excited. Well, not just that, it has a very much of the, the, the Team Fortress 2 feel where you can choose a class on the fly as well. So if you realize at one point that you need a specific class, then you can go to a um, uh, a computer, whatever console, that, and, and from there you can change your class. Then you can look at which part of the mission will give you the most amount of experience, which is not always going in and shooting somebody sometimes it's go and interrogate a, a suspect or somebody or go and put your turrets here or go and turn on this piece of machinery or whatever and it's not killing so you're not getting that experience but you're getting like three four five hundred experience for completing that part and because of that your group then has a better opportunity to complete the mission and it is something that you'll be able to play solo or with a group online as well honestly from the the the, the videos that i saw of this 
Again, go to the site and go to the video section and you can check out what they, um, the, there's th a three-part video on the container city. The The actual lore of the game is really cool too. We're in, it's a, an island, very much the, the Bioshock feel of, you know, their own society kind of thing. So you have an island that's um, floating at sea. However, it has a very post-apocalyptic feel to it because it just turned to shit real fast. And so you can either be on the side of the, the rebels essentially, or the law kind of thing. It it has a very cool lore to it, a very that I hope they'll work into it a little bit, but I, I mean, still, it, it's a first-person shooter at heart, but it does have a cool story. And then the actual look of the game as well, the art style is very cool. It's not just high realism. There's a, a nice cartoon style to the characters as well. And I think that's important, too, to have it something that's going to be visually grabbing you as well. And, I mean, we've learned from games in the past. I mean, look at Bioshock. Um, Story-driven first-person shooters are fucking possible. And you can do them really, really well and make them incredibly addicting. Um, and Brink could learn from that and could take that and, and really, you know, use it to, to, to its full effect and really make it a selling point, a sticking point for the unit. Yeah. Um, other news this week, we found out that Assassin's Creed is going to be finally coming out for the PC on March 16th. How far have you gotten? Enough. Yeah, no fucking kidding. How far have you gotten, Joe, on the uh, the 360 version? I, I've beaten the game. Yeah. And what's your final opinion? Uh, the game is absolutely wonderful. I love the game. It is fantastic. However, uh, the tombs, which are like little dungeons in the game, uh, the guys at Ubisoft, you guys are sadistic fucks. Those are some <laughs> of the hardest platforming levels I have ever played in my entire, entire life. It was challenging, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I mean, I'm kicking my roommate out of the living room at various points saying, go find another fucking TV, I'm playing this shit, and sitting down and getting sucked so far into it that, I mean, the story was fantastic, um, the characterization was a lot better than the first game. Um, there's a lot more going around in in your character's head than there was with Altair. I mean, in the first game, Altair is just like, stab it in the face, stab it quick. And that was pretty much the extent of his thoughts. Whereas in, in the Assassin's Creed 2, your character uh, has a lot more on his mind, has a lot more de to deal with, a lot more politics, a lot more scandal, a lot more emotion invested in, in the storyline. And it was well written, it was well done, and the gameplay is fantastic. Um, I really do enjoy the game. I really did. I thought it was fantastic. And if you haven't played it, pick it up. I mean, I don't care if you have to, like, you know, steal a copy from, like, Walmart. Go ahead and do it. It's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the we, one we've reached an all time low. Yeah, <laughs> the, the one thing about theft. too, dude. Um, it's 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 a mob story. It's it's the quintessential mafia story. If if anybody and? likes that kind of stuff, but it just takes place in you know, it's it's like the first fucking mob story, you know. <laughs> but it takes place in both the current day and the um, and the present. past. But that's that's what's cool about it. And the other cool thing about it too is, as a former history major, as somebody who has studied a lot of these events in depth. And am first to criticize anything that has to do with anything historical, quote unquote. They did a damn good job. They hit True. all. They they hit their points fantastic. I mean, they they these are real points too. These are real tidbits. These are real facts mixed in with the story, and that's really cool too. Because you know it it's it's entertaining, and it's entertaining and somewhat educational. And I will say that it probably has the best tongue in cheek gaming moment of 2010 so far 
and it's within the first half hour of the game, I'd say. And I don't want to ruin it, but it's it's just play the game for like a half an hour. You'll get to the point and you're going to stop and you're going to have to put the controller down and you are going to laugh uncontrollably. Well, I am looking at probably picking it up is by then March. I'm hoping that I will be done with the Mass Effect that I'll need something else to play. But uh, it is looking like it's going to be fairly cool. The uh, They're looking at kind of a director's cut of the game that will have a couple of the DLC in it. But also there's going to be a Black Edition, which sounds very much like just a collector's edition but they haven't announced what's going to be in that one um other news that we heard about this week too was the transformers the battle yes (laughs) yes bro me and freaking joe almost i end each other at the same fucking time there was a link there was a 10 second difference between the i am links yeah i'm like dude check this out he goes oh shit you you look to me just as i was about to press enter and i was thinking the first thing i thought was fuck man we're sammy sammy's a goddamn work ah damn it i can't contact sammy ironically i probably saw it at the same time as you because i remember seeing it i think it was actually linked on twitter that's probably why we all found it at the same time and uh and yeah no well go ahead you oh oh dude okay (laughs) i am the biggest fucking transformers fanatic but i'm very I'm, i'm like a goddamn transformer nazi i only like generation one I think everything else is fucking garbage. I think everything else is bullshit. I like the G1, the fucking original, the original, original Transformers, and the fact that they're taking that style, that art style, that storyline, that everything, and they've made it into what appears from the trailer to be just goddamn insanely good game. Just even if it look, it looks beautiful. I don't care how it plays. It looks goddamn gorgeous right now. I saw that video and my jaw hit the floor and I'm very much like Rick. I am a Transformers Nazi when it comes to it. I, there are some of the new stuff that's cool. You know, it's like, you know, eh, it's okay. But you go back to series one, which is the stuff that the comic books are still based on and being yes. put out. And you got this amazing people don't realize that Transformers really does have this rich story behind it. But the game I don't know much about the game because it was a teaser trailer, but oh my fucking God, listening to the original voice actors coming back, uh, listening to the voice of Elrond (laughs) voicing Megatron again, I'm sitting there giggling. Oh, so good. (laughs) No, man, it was, it's really, it's really fucking cool, man. And to to hear, straight up, to hear freaking Optimus, Optimus is like my father figure, man. Optimus is the shit. He's like the coolest goddamn character I've ever seen in a lot of different things i just you know he's never been that prominent in a particular game or whatever but man what a freaking incredible teaser trailer i I don't know what this is going to be nobody knows what it's going to be we don't know if it's going to be an action game if it's an mmo then i'm just going to cut my wrist right now just get it over with um i I think that's highly unlikely i I don't think it's going to be an mmo but oh my god that would be freaking amazing but no. yeah, I've got the barricade ready to put in front of my door so nobody can get in. I got the sound dampeners ready so I can't hear anybody scream at my door. When this game comes out, I will be plopped down and nobody will be able to bother me because I will be fucking five years old again, giggling. In all honesty, though, why has there not yet been any indication that there is going to be a Transformers MMO at any time? Like you said, the lore is that rich. It sounds ridiculous to anybody who hasn't checked it out or whatever. However, 
it, it's not. It's not just a, a boy's toy. The lore is incredibly rich. They could easily make an MMO out of this that would be phenomenal, that would be multi-layered even, if you had like the selectable worlds based on the old or the new kind of thing when they are mm-hmm. there versus here. There's a lot that could be done with that IP. And I agree, but I'm okay with it not getting to that point. And I'll tell you why. MMOs, as much as I love them to death and as much as I love logging in and I love the social aspect of being able to play with some of my friends, it gets ruined very quickly by the retardedness of the average human being. They log in and they just want to like teabag you when you're down on the ground or whatever the case is. I'm okay with that not being ruined. You know, I'm okay with Transformers being kept separate from that. Maybe give us something where we have the option to link up with other players, like Diablo style, where we can join our friends or Left 4 Dead, where we can that join cool. our friends. That would be fine with me. But I don't I don't I don't really want to see this as an MMO. It's, they yeah, could do it. There's a lot that could be done to prevent that in MMOs. It's just that unfortunately, because of most developers opt for trying to get as much in their game as possible by putting PvE and PvP, that is what needs to be changed. It's not the fact that it's an MMO that's the the problem. It's the fact that the dev wants it to be the end-all, be-all of MMOs to try to fit as many fish into that one net kind of thing. That's the problem. I, I kind of agree with you, but before before Joe goes on, is one thing I kind of I, I agree, but I disagree with what you're saying because I don't think it's the player so much that ruin when it gets to an MMO. I think the the problem with the MMO in general, which is why I don't have very high hopes for for a lot of MMOs out there, is because if they're tackling a franchise like take Transformers, could you? Transformers is huge. I mean, Transformers is fucking mega. You know. I don't think they can make a game to do it justice. I really don't believe that you can make an MMO RPG that can do justice to any of the story arcs, any of the different you know worlds or lore going on with the Transformers universe. They just cannot I, duplicate this to different mediums. I, I I completely disagree. I I think that it's definitely there, and any developer and with a team of good writers could have a blast with it, and could not only do it justice, but could make your jaw drop with just how cool the quest line could be. That said, if anybody's listening and you want to take on that IP and you're looking for some writers, I fully volunteer. <laughs> yeah, speaking of MMOs too, finally, the Fallout MMO is going to be, it, it's it's a real thing. Um, yeah, Interplay announced that they signed a definitive agreement with Masthead Studios to work on it. Now, like, don't expect it anytime soon, even though they've been working on it since 2007. They're talking about a beta in 2012. So we're talking quite a while here. That being said, we need a good post-apocalyptic MMO. Yeah, everything else has been kind of shite. So that's because because everything else gets compared to Fallout 2, which I think is one of the most amazing video games ever made, personally. But um, I don't know. That's just me. When I when I hear post-apocalyptic, all I really ever think about is the Fallout series of gaming. Well, we it, it's not that hard a genre that they they should be able to do it. I mean, if they can do Tolkien-esque based RPGs, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to do a post-apocalyptic game well, MMO game well. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this. I mean, they've certainly got a lot of time. They're, they're talking about you're going to see some interesting things. Well, I should fucking hope so by 2012. <laughs> you know, I mean, Christ. Um, there was also some Battle.net 2.0. Go ahead. 
Yay! Yeah, which one of you? Do you want to go first, first, Rick? Yeah, I'll I'll just go first. Um, Jesus Christ, where do I begin? Um, I've made my predictions already about what's going on with StarCraft 2. I mean, StarCraft 2 is essentially a pretty much completed game, and now they have StarCraft 2 support has finally been wrapped into Battle.net 2.0. So I'm... I'm just going to go right out and put my money saying that we're going to get an announcement finally for the goddamn beta. And those of us who went to BlizzCon in 2008 are going to get into the fucking beta finally for StarCraft 2. And the reason that this has been held off for so long is because it has taken them a goddamn millennium to get Battle.net secured, to get Battle.net working the way they're supposed to go. So now with this little announcement... Um, I'm saying that we're finally going to get everything up and running again. We're going to get to see finally some more news on Battle.net and on StarCraft 2 very soon. When I say very soon, I'm thinking, buddy, like at at the latest mid-February, just to just to put a wrench in the in the cogs of all these little games that are coming out now that are trying to to do these major releases in February and the end of January. I'm excited to see the amount of support that they're putting into Battle.net 2.0. We, we talked about how they really want it to become their version of Steam, and, well, they are doing it. Um, you're starting to see more tidbits of information, more things about their network stability, uh, more things about how the games are going to be uh, stored and saved and delivered and how content's going to be delivered. I mean, they're already starting to hint that patches and, and uh, things like expansions are going to be delivered directly through this. I mean, that's their ultimate goal. And that makes me very happy. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't mind uh, sitting in, you know, the game store at midnight waiting for my collector's edition to be released, but I would totally be okay with just being able to download it at midnight and log into the game like a half an hour later. And I want to see more of that. I mean, digital the digital distribution of these games, I think, is the way to go. And it's nice to see Blizzard start putting money into it and start putting it in. So now we have Valve that's doing it with Steam, and we have Blizzard doing it with Battle.net 2.0, and we're going to start to see more of it. And I'm okay with this. I'm really okay with this. I wonder if Blizzard would ever take another game would would it would invite third party users to use battle.net or would that do you think that's just going to be forever just a blizzard games only blizzard has traditionally not really bre breached the third wall however um they do have a partnership with activision activision exactly so that's we could start seeing things like that start being released like you know you know, the, the Guitar Hero series and things like that and other Activision titles later on that could start um, filtering down, you know? I hope not. While possible, I really don't think that it'll happen myself. I'm just saying it's it's possible. I don't think oh, yeah, it's definitely. likely. I don't yeah. think it's likely, but it would, you know, be cool. Yeah, I don't think that they need to... Unless it was something that the it was pushed down from Activision that that they really were stressing that they wanted that blizzard doesn't need to they can just do their own damn games and they don't need to worry about anybody else especially with the new uh next gen mmo which is hopefully going to be at least spoken of or at least some sort of teaser I, in some capacity this year at blizzcon which me and joe will be sitting there drunk out of our fucking asses on as much tequila as a human body can consume before becoming you know okay you know a corpse and um yeah. And then some. But I've already, I've already made my prediction on that front, too. I just want to know whether fucking not I'm right. <laughs> what, about about it being a first-person uh, first shooter? I don't think it's going to be first-person. I'll, I'll say this right now for those of you who don't know. I fully think this is going to be a Shadowrun-type MMO. 
And the reason I think this is because Activision, right before merging with Blizzard, purchased all outstanding rights to every game that had to do with Shadowrun or Cyberpunk. Hmm. And that was right before. That's right before they announced that there was going to be a new IP. That's my prediction, and that's the only reason I think so. Blizzard likes to build things from the ground up the way they want to build it. I don't see that happening. But I hope that you, maybe they bought it to just a just a torpedo it just to get it out of the out of any way of anybody competing with it. That's what that's, I think. I hope that's it's possible. not Shadow. You know, I hope it's not Shadowrun because I personally don't fucking like that at all. <laughs> I find I find it kind of like crappy, but that's just me. You know, I mean, I don't. Oh. Know. We'll see what happens. We'll find out in August. So, moving on from there, other news this week, there was the Zelda for the Wii rumors. I've been looking forward to it. I've been looking for the next installment of Zelda since I finished Twilight Princess. Twilight Princess was an amazing game. I don't care what anybody says. Shut up, I'm almost done. I'm not going to ruin the ending, but I'm just saying. I, it may not compare in some regards to, you know, what Majora's Mask and what Ocarina of Time are, but those are classics. This game was fucking phenomenal. And now they're starting to leak information, like information is starting to pop up, whether this is rumors or whether this is actual fact, don't know. But from the new Zelda Wii, we're talk- they're, they're talking about points like the game will vary from dungeon field, from the dungeon field method. Uh, basically, you know, you run through a field, you find a dungeon, you go in, you come back out, you move on to the next part of the world, you run through a field, you go to the dungeon, you run in, you run back out. Mm-hmm. Um the they're saying that the gameplay mechanics are complete, which, you know, if you did it for Twilight Princess, there's only a little more refinement to go. Um, it also gives you the option to select right or left handed. So you can choose whether or not Link is left handed or right handed. And that will take full effect and in, in, in full advantage of the Wii, the Wiimote controller. That's awesome. Um, you there's left- rumors that. I'm not a lefty. I'm a righty. Oh, but right. I know friends that are lefties that were bitching about the game before <laughs> and actually actually had to plug in a GameCube controller in order to play the game because I couldn't do it. Um, they're starting to talk about um, games or start finishing up characters in story. Um, they're talking about um, Link having a, a kid that looks up to him. And things like that. And I think that's pretty cool, too. They're also talking about how this is going to be a sequel. And I think that's kind of nifty. That's what I heard as well, too. But that was just a rumor, correct? They have not not denied it. I I, I hope it is. I hope it is more than a rumor. I hope that it's fact, honestly, because it the the Zelda series, honestly, it's it's been the same game since the 80s, essentially. You know, they just in every game there's nods to the previous games. Like I'm playing Twilight Prince, I play with my daughter, so I'm, you know, we're playing it kind of like every weekend. We'll do a little bit more, and as I'm playing it, I'm getting all these nods and through, through either the music you hear or the locales you're at. Like when you first get the Master Sword, you know, whatnot. I was like, oh crap, Aaron Brock, Green of Time. This is where I'm at then, huh? You know, so that's really cool. That's a Zelda fan. That's what I freaking lose it over. You know, when I go to an area and it rem- it just harkens back to every single time I've been in this general area. You know, that makes me feel good when I play the game. Well, the other thing, too, about it is they, they, the way they explain the game is Link and Zelda are just – they're different periods of time in the same universe type deal. And it's kind of nifty from a, a story mechanic, um, but – I want to see a sequel. I want to see a continuation. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, Twilight Princess is a perfect position in order to continue that. They have a great opportunity here to move that forward. Now, the other reason that I think it's it's going to be a sequel is if you started seeing, I don't know if you saw any of the link, uh, the the um, 
the leaked screenshots that they were working on, like stills, mm-hmm. we're starting to see characters from Twilight Princess back again with the same name and the same function. And that, I, I don't know, I want a sequel. I want a pure sequel. I really, really, really do. <laughs> I, I, I just want a continuation of the goddamn story. Just saying. Yeah. All right. And the last bit of news that we're going to cover before we take our break is the leaked... Uh, I, was it leaked or did they actually post it? The opening sequence to Bioshock 2. Oh, they, that they was the post. Was that posted? That was posted? I wasn't sure if it was posted mm-hmm. or leaked. Oh, that was and official which, post. Just, just one thing today real quick. I just found out about it today and I listened to it. They have the ninth. Uh, for anybody in the audience, you can go to the cult of rapture dot com i believe or just google it and it'll see the dot com or dot net um the cult of rapture they have the ninth podcast which they're talking all about the new main bad guy chick sophia lamb fucking incredible no spoilers but like listening to it you're gonna start drooling you're gonna want this game so bad i can't fucking wait (laughs) and for all those of you who are saying well i need to play the first game before i play the second game as much as i'm angry with steam right now Go pre-order two on Steam because you get one for free. Play yes. it. Go and play it. It's it's worth every let cent, and it will ramp you up for two so well that I, I'm I just beat Bioshock one again, and I am foaming at the mouth for two. And seeing the the opening sequence and seeing what they're saying about it and listening to their their podcasts about it and their interviews, I can't wait. Put the line in my arm, boys, because the heroin addict is back. Uh, seriously, it's, it's Wh- whoever, that phenomenal looking. Whoever did the script writing specifically for the Little Sisters in particular has like is yanking on my heart like I've never had a game at all uh, affect me so. You know, I mean, maybe it's because I'm, I'm a dad now and all I have are daughters, but like the main central emotional pull in this game is you play as Subject Delta. You're the prototype original Big Daddy. And before they had all these mass-produced Big Daddies, you were paired with one little sister. And it was implanted and just embedded in your skull and in your psyche and in everything about you that you are the dad and the protector of this little you know, girl or whatever, right? So it's like the bond that they have between you and this one little sister in particular that you're trying to find is really, really well done, man. If you listen to some of the some of the little tidbits, some of the little snippets that they've released, it is fucking incredible to, just, to listen to this shit, man. Just watch the opening video, and that says it all. The first, I think it's like at the 42nd marker. It's just you, you sit there and you're like, ah, oh, fucking, a, I'm gonna cry during this game, aren't I? <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, and the music, dude. The oh, music. Oh god. Oh my god. It's like it's it's one of those. I'm not depressed and I'm sad. I'm like bawling like a baby. Sad. The piano and just the shit they got going on. Like whoever did the music for this too is just in phenomenal, man. And one thing I will say is cool and something that they're putting in the game that we saw with the the new Silent Hill is they have flash sequences where your character starts going back into the psyche a little bit and starts remembering things and seeing certain things that trigger memory effects. That's fucking awesome because now you're starting to get even more of a personal investment in the character uh, in the game because in the first game, it's really easy to have a detachment from the character. I mean, you're running around shooting shit. Awesome. You're getting powers. Awesome. You're getting better guns. Sweet. You know, but here it's like you are this character and they are taking there is a painstaking effort to draw you into this character. And that's awesome, because quite honestly, 
that's what a first-person shooter should be. It should immerse me so much into this character that I can't see a separation. I'm jumping around the corner when something tries to eat my face. Then I am creeping in order to try to stay safe or to catch up on something. I should feel that. I, I don't want to feel a detachment from my character. I want it to feel like I am this character and I am epic. So I think it's going to happen. I think that this game, I think they have done it. And I, I honestly, from what I'm seeing so far, I, I think they're going to bat this one out of the park. Well, this is here's something... Open. Well, let's just say there's just something about, in particular, Bioshock for me that feels a lot more intimate than the other games that are running along the similar gamut, like you know, like um, Mass Effect Two and uh, freaking Dragon Age Origins. All these games that basically involve a deep investment with your character and a story that you're enveloping, multiple endings, obviously, multiple different scenarios that can happen, and a very rich world. And it's just for some reason I've never really clicked with them as much as I've clicked with the Bioshock one. Maybe it's just, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but in particular, just the whole Bioshock story, specifically 2, it's, it's got me. <laughs> it really, really, really has me. They, they've sold it perfectly. All right, with that, we're going to drop it there, and we're going to take our little break, and then we're going to come back with um, the, the games to buy, wait, or pass on for this coming year. I am the very model of a scientist Salarian. I've studied species Turian, Asari, and Batarian. I'm quite good at genetics as a subset of biology because I am an expert which I know is a tautology. My xenoscience studies range from urban to agrarian. I am the very model of a scientist Solarian. Welcome back to For the Lore. Thank you for allowing us that little beverage break. We do appreciate it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about upcoming games for 2010 in terms of what we personally think is a buy versus wait versus pass. I'm going to let you take this away, Rick. Okay, well, we've got a lot of games coming out in 2010 that I think 2010 is a bigger year for gaming than 2009, which is kind of saying a lot. But for the most part, some of these games are coming out uh, in a couple days, and some of them we don't know at all if they are even coming out at all in this year. But they've been, you know, quote unquote, slated to be released in some time in 2010, or it's just widely assumed that they will be. So let's go down the list. Um... First off, there's Alan Wake. It's coming out for the 360 in spring. It's from the makers of Max Payne. Um, it's a psychothriller action game. What do you guys think? Are you going to buy it, wait on it, or pass on it entirely? Joe. I'm going to go ahead and say wait. Uh, I think it's one that bears watching, but I'm not foaming at the mouth yet. This is definitely a wait for me. I'll wait and see. I agree. Rut? Yeah, definitely. I, it, in fact, if it would be anything, it would be something that I would actually rent once it's out, and not buy. And I'm, likewise, actually, I, I would, I would rent it too. I'd probably get through my cousin's 360 and you know pick it up uh, from Blockbuster or whatnot or or, uh, or GameFly and just check it out. But I wouldn't buy it per se, not until somebody reviewed it for quite a while. Uh, Joe, you were going to say something? No, I was just going to say it's, it's it's hitting a little too close to some games that have already been released. And uh, as much as I love like Silent Hill and things like that, if you want a psycho thriller action game, there's too many out there. So it's just it's, I, I would agree. I think it's going to be a rental for me, honestly. Good point. Um, next up is APB for the PC coming out in, uh, in spring 2010. Now, I think enough has been said from all of us, especially with the interview and whatnot. Um, I'm going to buy this game, foaming at the mouth, ready to go with my wallet in my hand the morning of its release. How about you, gentlemen? I'm going to beat you in pre-order, the son of a bitch, as long as it's available for pre-order. 
I'm going to go ahead and buy this. I mean, there's there's no doubt in my mind. Listening to the interview that you had with the guys and how much has been talked about and how much forethought's gone into it, this is a purchase. Okay, Bioshock 2 for the 360, <sighs> PS3, PC. It's a triple crown. It's coming out in February. Another no-brainer. But with um, one thing I want to ask you guys, with, um, with Mass Effect 2 pretty much coming out almost, yeah, right at the same damn time. Exactly. Uh, is, is there enough shooters? And, you know, we got a lot of shooters with a lot of deep story and whatnot, but for me personally, the hooks aren't in for Mass Effect 2 or for, for the space shooter just yet, you know? So how do you guys feel? I mean, I'm buying, but, you know, what are you guys going to do? I'll be waiting, actually, on that one. I will be buying it, but like you just said, I've got Mass Effect 2 that I'm going to be playing the shit out of. And then I've also got, though it's not a shooter, I've got Star Trek Online that I'm going to be playing as well. You only have so much time for games in a day, so it's definitely going to be something that I'm going to have to wait on, but I will be buying it eventually. There's no doubt in my mind that I will be buying it. This is a purchase for me, and matter of fact, I've already pre-ordered uh, Bioshock 2. Um, it's waiting there. It is waiting to be downloaded the day of release in Steam, and it will be mine. Oh, yes, it will be mine. I don't sleep anyway, so I have lots of time to game. <laughs> And I will find time to play the shit out of Bioshock 2. You guys will be looking at, where's Joe? Oh, he's in Bioshock 2. Yeah, let's let's not bother him. <laughs> According to your Steam profile will never change in-game Bioshock 2, just like for months at a time, right? I, I will find a way to remotely play this at work on my iPhone. I don't care. I'll find a way to remote <laughs> and home to keep going. That's what the tablet's going to be for. Oh, even better. I'll buy a tablet just to do that. Remote home. <laughs> just for that. Play. It'll be, it'll be the most... I'll, I'll customize a fucking HUD for the game. I am playing this game. All right. Um, next on my list is Crackdown 2. Now, this is like so many freaking sequels this year. Crackdown 1, not very many people played it. It was released initially bundled with um, the beta for, for Halo ODST. I believe or no, Halo 3, right? This was yeah. quite a while back. Yeah, and, but... The game itself was has like a cult following as a very, very, very good game. I have not played it yet, but uh, I'd like to check it out. And from the looks of it, it's, uh, Crackdown 2 is from the same people. Real-time worlds are doing APB. It's coming out yep. in the spring this year. And it's like um, you're like a super uh, cop. You're like a super soldier. You have superhero powers. You can jump buildings, lift up cars, you know, just all this crazy shit in a massive open world a la prototype only not so you know, visceral as prototype was without the free running and shit. Um, it's very much, even the way that they stylize the art, they make you look like a comic book character. Now, I, I like the whole superhero thing, but I'm going to have to pass because I just, I I have no idea what it's like personally. How about you, John? I'm going to go ahead and say pass as well. I had no interest in Crackdown 1. Uh, Crackdown 2, oh well, you know, not a big deal. You know, I want a superhero game. I'll just wait for, I'll keep playing Champions Online or I'll wait for D DC Universe Online. And as far as like sandbox running, leaping platforming around a city type thing, we had Infamous and we had the, you know, everything else. So, bleh, pass. Same here, pass. Okay. Uh, Epic Mickey supposed to be due this fall finally uh, for the Wii. I'm going to give this one a wait. I want to see more about it. Um, I'm just waiting. Just got to wait. Roger? I, 
Well, see, to me, it's going to be a little hard to tell. I'm going to have to see what the actual rating is going to be on it and whatever, because it may not necessarily be something that I'll play, but my kid might love to play it. Like, he loved the Kingdom Hearts stuff, and I enjoyed watching him play it kind of thing, because we do that as father and son. We play games together, but one of us plays and the other one watches, and you play together. So depending on the rating level on it, it may be something that I play by virtue of playing with him. True facts. Right? I'm, I'm also going to give it a wait simply because almost identical the same reason. Um, I, I want to have a game like that that I can play. When, whenever I talk about a Wii game or even a console game, I have to understand that TV's in the living room, kids are in the living room all the time. I can't really be playing Dante's Inferno and shit you know, with my seven-year-old hovering over my shoulder. So exactly. um, that that's getting a wait. God of War 3 for the PS3 coming out in March. It's the final piece in the God of War trilogy. I personally... I have no fucking love for the God of War series anymore. I think it's the same rehash bullshit we've gotten in number one and number two, only now they're using Shadow of the Colossus-style boss fights, you know, and they're calling it epic scale when really it's just a bigger boss and whatever, and the fact that the PS3 hardware has more to push. What do you guys think of God of War 3? Been there, done that, pass. It's a game that I'm going to want to play, but again, by virtue of the fact that it doesn't have enough of a pull to take me away from the other games that I'll be playing at the same time, um, I'll wait. I will probably, I'll probably actually wind up renting it, not buying it, but I will definitely be playing it. Okay. Halo Reach, also coming out this fall. Um, This is actually the last Halo game that Bungie Studios is going to be making. They're passing on the torch of all the Halo franchise. Everything is going to be done by Microsoft's internal gaming uh, staff. I'm actually... I'm going to have to wait simply because I don't know if I'll have a 360 by the time it's released. But if I did, I would have bumped it up to a buy, seeing as how I really like the Halo franchise, you know, as far as gaming goes. I can say for a fact that we're going to have it but it won't be me playing it it's going to be my youngest because he is a huge halo fanatic he's been spending weeks and weeks getting all of the achievements for halo 3 still and um when we bought our 360 he actually bought halo 3 himself he's a huge halo fanatic so i know he's going to want to play this and that's why we're probably going to have it i'm going to go ahead and say pass i have no love for the halo series whatsoever screw it Okay, Dante's Inferno. Enough has been said of the God of War ripoff. Pass? Pass. At this point, sadly, yeah, I'm thinking pass. Yeah, I think they kind of went with the whole shock and awe. We're going to give you the exact same game that you've had with Bayonetta and all this other freaking shit, only we're going to do as much offensive visual crap possible to try and, you know, pull in that certain demographic and, and I, whatever, I'm, I'm over it. Uh, Heavy Rain, actually, which is something I thought Roger would freaking nut himself over, is an extremely story-driven oh. game. I want to play this so badly. I It's one of those that I would buy immediately, but I keep going back to so much time, and there's other games that I'm definitely going to be playing. I am going to be buying this, however, I don't want to jump ahead too fast either i do want to hear the reviews because the reviews that we're getting now are actually different or not reviews but previews are different we're hearing things now that we weren't hearing initially about it so there's too much that is unknown about it at this point to make a blind leap and do a pre-order say i'm going to wait until the reviews come out i have a very good buddy who picked it up i could always borrow it from him as well i'll probably wind up buying it later on I'm going to give it a wait. I don't know nearly enough about it, so I'll wait and see what happens. 
I'm going to give it a pass just because I, I have no desire to buy a PS3. Uh, the Last Guardian. This might make me want to buy a PS3. This is a spiritual successor to Shadow of the Colossus and Ico. Looks to be a game that will make us all cry like little bitches. What do you guys think? If the rating is low enough, I'll buy it to play with my youngest. As it stands right now, I'm going to give this one a pass simply because I don't have time. I'm going to give it a, a wait. You know, it's obviously I don't have a PS3. Uh, Legend of Zelda Wii, to be determined. We don't know when that's coming out. Rumored maybe at the end of this year. What do you guys think? I'm going with a buy. Definitely. I'm going with a definitely a buy. <laughs> we all pick yeah, freaking Legend of Zelda. Uh, Mass Effect 2. <laughs> 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 we, we, we already need to ask we're, we're, we're all buying this game right yeah, now it's already, it's already bought it. I've already right, pre-purchased I'm, it yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I pre-ordered it as soon as I could okay uh, Metroid Other M is another Wii game but this one is actually being produced as a Metroid game a 2D uh, no uh, sorry a 3D side-scrolling Metroid game by the same guys uh, Team Ninja who did um, God the Dead or Alive fighting games they've done uh, Ninja Gaiden etc etc I'm actually going to buy this wholeheartedly. It looks fucking phenomenal. I'm going to give it a wait. I wasn't impressed with the later releases on the GameCube. I'll see how they do with this one. This is a wait. My youngest is a huge Metroid fan, and um, like we play them. Actually, we both play them in this instance. So I probably can see myself picking this up depending on, um, depending on what they're... Just how much there will be to it kind of thing. I probably won't buy it retail day one kind of thing, but I probably will pick it up later on. Okay, how about another Wii title, No More Heroes 2? This is a wait for me. I like the first one, but I want to see what they do with the second. Raj? I never played the first one, but I keep hearing how absolutely amazing it is. I'd like to play through the first one first to see whether or not it is something that will hold me and then decide whether or not I'd play through the second one. I'm going to give it a pass. The, the recent media bliss on it is really making it look like something I want to play. And I have not played the first one, but everything I've read is saying that it's a, a very fun game, very tongue-in-cheek, lots of just stupid humor, you know, like potty humor and whatnot. But I'm just going to have to pass. It doesn't, doesn't have enough to pull me in. Uh, Red Dead Redemption, which is think Grand Theft Auto 4 in the Wild West. I want to wait. Um, this you know, I'm intrigued by the title, but I want to see more about it. Not everything Rockstar does is gold. That's something that people have to understand. Some of it is, yes, absolutely fantastic, but not everything is. This would probably be one that I pass on. Um, I'm going to give it a wait. I mean, it like you said, not everything Rockstar does is gold, but the game looks really, really good. And I happen to have a soft spot in my heart for the Wild West. Uh, StarCraft 2 coming in the fall, hopefully, knock on wood, praise to Buddha and whatnot. Purchase. Yeah, I'll pick it up. Joe? I'm so buying this. This is this is a purchase. All right, Raj? Yeah, yeah, I'll be picking it up. Yeah, we fucking kidding. Everybody in the goddamn country is buying this game. Uh, finally, the last one on the list here is Super Mario Galaxy 2. I'm going to say I'm going to buy this damn thing. I love the first game, Vertigo-induced vomiting and all. I want this game. <laughs> want it now. I'm sitting at 119 fucking stars on the original one. Give me number two. Roger? 
this is one of those games as well that is my I played by virtue of watching my son. My my son played the first one, and uh, that's a game that we played together. This would probably be a buy, probably not retail day one. Probably wait a little bit, but probably yeah, pick it up. I'm going to be purchasing this by proxy, which means that I'm going to wait for my buddy Paul to buy it, and then I'm going to steal it from him for a couple of months because I still have his original Super Mario Galaxy, and as soon as I get done with the carpal tunnel surgery, then I'll probably end up playing Super Mario Galaxy 2. Uh, with that said, that pretty much does it for anything that really struck me in 2010 that's coming out. Um, anything else that you guys, even in the audience, don't want to bring up that you're expecting in 2010? Castlevania, oh, yeah. Castlevania. Castlevania Lords of Shadow. I don't bring it up because all we have is that one trailer and nothing else. Nobody Patrick Stewart. Said, Patrick Stewart. Oh, nobody, I'm, I'm going to buy it. Let's just fucking let's not kid each other. We're all going to buy it when it comes out because we're all the good kind of nerd. But has anybody heard anything about this game besides that one movie at all? Besides no. the fact that it's going to be epic? <laughs> there's been it's like I swear to god it's fucking on it's area 51 this game if anybody talks about it it gets deleted immediately and you know they get men in black shooting up their house it's just I cannot find information on this to save my life it's driving me crazy I can just keep finding the same badass video yeah you know why because what happened the last time they went 3D they're oh, avoiding yeah they're, they're avoiding bad press right now so I think that they're waiting until they have something so absolutely ridiculously badass to show us that we just continue to drool uncontrollably for it. But yes, I will purchase this game based on the fact that it has Patrick Stewart doing voice work in it. That alone sells me on this game. All right. And with that, we're going to call that a wrap for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us in the live audience. We are going to be having our fantastic Drunk Tank episode next week. Episode 20, folks. I'm going to be putting a call out for the fourth chair. Make sure to be watching ForTheLore.com. If you think you've got the balls to hang with the dogs and have some drinks and shoot the shit... Make sure to check that out. I might even be making it a little bit interesting, but more on that later. Show's going to be out. Mike. What's that? Have a good mic. Have a god. Yes. Have a good mic. I want to fucking actually understand you. Mike, that, yes. Thank you for pointing that out. So <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. It's a good point. So thanks again for joining us, folks. That is a wrap for tonight. The show will be out on Wednesday, same as usual. Welcome back to For the Lore. This is Roger and Joe, and we have yet another appearance by Christine Thompson. Unfortunately, as some of you may be aware, we had a problem with the file corruption with the last interview, which disappointed the hell out of me. But she graciously agreed to come back on the show and put up with us. Granted, Rick's not here, so that might have been a deciding factor in her coming back or not. So, Christine, thank you very much for coming back again. Oh, no problem. Glad to do it. So we're just going to touch on some of the things that we covered last time, just because it's not everybody got to hear the interview. So it'd be nice to get a little history on you, on your writing background, on any other games that you may have worked on, and how you landed at Cryptic Studios. Okay. Um, this is the first game that I've actually been the writer for. Um, my uh, background is in journalism. My degree is in English Lit. Um, and then I worked as a newspaper writer and editor for about 
little less than 15 years. Um, after at that point, I moved to Cryptic, um, where I wrote for the websites for about a year, year and a half. Um, we got the Star Trek license. I begged and begged and begged to, you know, help. And um, in the process of helping, it, we just realized it was a really good fit. And then I moved to the design team and became the writer. <sighs> Well, excellent. Uh, on that mm -hmm. same topic then, um, can you take us through a, a typical day in the office, uh, what you experienced um, there? Yeah, a typical day in the office, um, get in about 9.30, get my first cup of tea, um, going to go through the emails from the night before, um, look at reports from beta, look and see if there's any showstoppers that need to be fixed immediately, um, if there's any team meetings or working with the content designers on um, stuff that's upcoming. Like just a few minutes ago, I was talking to one of our content designers about something that we, that needs final dialogue polish. Um, then it's a combination of either writing new stuff to go in the game, finishing up stuff that's in progress, um, doing a little bit of website writing or additional fiction writing, um, planning for updates. Um, and then, assorted meetings and such and if I'm lucky I get a few minutes to play the game in the meantime <laughs> <laughs> now jumping into such a huge IP um, because it is like this is put it on par with say your Star Wars game that's going to be coming out next year it's a huge IP with lots of fans what kind of experience did you have that made you the best person for this job um I um came from journalism so I know how to write quickly I know how to write succinctly one of the big things about gaming is take all the all the really cool stuff you wrote and then cut it by two-thirds so it fits in the dialogue box um, I know how to hit my deadlines and work with a team and that's what I bring from journalism I bring just a, being a huge Trek nerd and being able to immerse myself in the project and you know almost study Trek um, and take that and then try to put as much in as possible. Do you think that there's a lot more pressure on the team because of the magnitude of the IP? Well, the, the fans are very passionate, and that's a good thing, because if they weren't passionate, they wouldn't care. Um, we want people to care. Um, we're all Trek fans, too, so a lot of our pressure is internal. Um, we're trying to put out the absolute best Trek game we can. Um, that's, you know, so... Yes, there's a lot of pressure, but a lot of it we put on ourselves. Well, you kind of need that to make the game as good as possible. If you yeah. if you don't care about the project, if there's no love there, then it's definitely going to show. Um, do you feel there's a certain amount of responsibility as well in what you're doing because of the IP in case some of it ever becomes part of the actual Trek canon? Well, it, it's in the back of your mind, but it's not, you know... You, you can't get too ten so tangled up in it that you get scared of it. Um, I am conscious of what's gone on before, you know, everything that's on the shows and the movies and such, that's hard canon and we respect it. Um, books and novels and comic books and such as soft canon, we take what we can and leave the rest behind. Um, ultimately, I think the fans are going to decide what's canon and what's not. And, of course, CBS. Um, and <laughs> CBS has been really great about working with us. They've been really open to new ideas. And, um, you know, they, they've been a lot of fun to work with. 
When we were talking about the canon last time, we were talking about how Star Trek Online is using the Prime Universe versus the Abrams Verse, and and I, I was having a little bit of a problem understanding where the fold existed, and then you were explaining it's at the point where uh, Nero and Spock went into the um, the rip in time. Oh, yeah. So that then means as well then that from that point on there is basically no Spock in that universe in in the prime universe because and which is um then you see that in the Abrams verse because both of them are in that both the the Spock that right. we know as well as their Spock. It, that as might, far that as could, the prime universe knows Spock has disappeared. Yeah, that that places a real limitation in terms of building on characters that you that are huge characters in that IP. Like it kind of sucks. I don't know. From a writing standpoint, you take this one of the most known and lovable characters, and it's gone, and you can't use them. Have you well, have you guys thought yeah. about finding a way to bring him back? Well, we haven't really thought about finding a way to bring him back because you know. J.J. Abrams is going to do what J.J. Abrams does, and we're not going to step on his toes. Um, the you know, there's always time travel. The good thing about the Star Trek universe, there's always time travel, and there's you know, you may see Spock has a presence in our game, even though he's not physically there. You know, so you can't deny his impact on the universe and we're seeing more of that too with the last patch wherein there's even more um clips from leonard nimoy as you are entering different star systems and whatnot right so on that same wavelength yeah. uh what made you decide on the timeline why 2409 um it is a little bit it's about 30 years after nemesis so it advances the timeline enough to give us some time to do new stories new technology shake up the universe a little bit um but it's still close enough to be familiar to like fans of tng and deep space nine and not give them something that's so different that they don't recognize it that okay. was the bit that was the main things Oh, that's that's uh, a very good way to go about it. Um, okay. Is that did that also play into the decision to make episodic content uh, to to kind of divide it up so that you could you know move the story along in a certain manner? Well, the episodic content just comes from watching the shows. We watch the shows, and you watch the shows, and they've got about a five act structure about most of them. We broke them all down in this really huge, scary spreadsheet. Um, and you know, you got about a five act structure. You've got some things that happen a lot, some things that don't happen as much. But you also have that, you know, we move to space from ground, we move from one location to another and tell a complete story. And we're like, okay, well, you know, we want to do something that feels like the show. We want you to feel like you're the star of your own show. So that's where the episodic content comes about. So let's talk about the questing and the missions now. Um, now, admittedly, like both, both Joe and I have been playing in the, um, the beta. Um, admittedly, I've only gotten to level eight, okay, due to login issues, which are not your fault as a writer. Um, but I have not been able to put in nearly as much time as I would have liked because of that. So I'm, I only got to level eight. What I'm seeing so far at that level with the early level uh, missions, missions, it's it's limited in terms of what you can do basically with the ship. Correct me if I'm wrong, but basically what I'm seeing is either you're exploring, you're scanning, you're doing an escort or a fight. Do you find that very limiting as a writer in terms of what you can do in space? Well, there is a 
functions of MMOs, and there's only so many things you can do with an MMO with current technology. Sure. Um, I don't find it necessarily limiting as I do. It pushes us creatively. Um, you haven't gotten to the good stuff yet. The first 10 levels are almost an extended tutorial because the game is not exactly, you know, press F to win. So <laughs> you have to learn how to manipulate that ship and how to do these things. So the simpler stuff is earlier. Um you know, I think if you look at like the movies, you know, Nicholas Meyer did a fabulous job in Star Trek Two with very limited resources, and that limited resources just pushes you creatively. Yeah, and, and I am seeing we're in the um, the leveling curve is not quite the same as you see in a lot of other MMOs. Whereas other MMOs, by the time you have reached say a level six or ten or whatever, you're You've leveled a lot faster during there, where in this game here, it's taking you quite a bit longer to level and to experience content. Um, just on Sunday when I was playing, actually, just as I was digging level eight, I was experiencing way different content, way different missions that I was finding far more engaging. That being said, I'm also seeing limitations. And again, this is low level. And as you're saying, it's going to change later on. But I'm seeing limitations in terms of the away missions as well, too, where it's much more... It's much different in terms of what you expect when you hit the ground. I mean, just pulling up your map, you're seeing a square of the explorable area as well as, say, a map of a building that's very well laid out in terms of where you have to go and what you have to do. Are you finding it limiting with your away missions in terms of what you can accomplish and do and in so much as how you're limited by the, the game engine? Not, not necessarily. I mean, it's no different than an episode of the show. They wouldn't build the entire planet of Vulcan. They'd build where the, you wanted that action to happen. So, um, you know, it, it's we realize we're making a game, um, and you work within that. Writing the game is different from writing a novel or a short story, for example. Oh, definitely. Yeah. On the topic of writing um, and creativity, um, as after played through the beta and as you have seen the beta unfold, do you feel that enough of uh, your writing team's creativity was showcased so far in the beta, or is it all pretty much back-end stuff? Like, later on we get to see a lot more of it. You know, one of my favorite episodes in the entire game, I think, is lieutenant commander either two or three um it's very early it's right after you get that next ship so um i think it spreads it out pretty well excellent um on this on the same vein is there anything that you wanted to put in the game uh just as a whole uh, obviously you know what you've put in the game uh, but haven't been able to so far maybe something that you really wanted to do but due to t time constraints you just couldn't Oh, we, we all have our favorite things and all sorts of things that we want to put in the game. Everybody's got their favorite, you know, everybody's got their favorite critter um, or scenario or whatever. <laughs> One of our producers is in love with V'ger. I've got a thing for the Mugatu and, and Romulans. And, and, you know, so a lot of those ideas, the cool thing about an MMO is that we're never going to be done. In fact, we're already working on our next updates. That's what I'm doing right now. So, um, when you say that, you mean like the next season? Well, the next, yeah, there's going to be some stuff coming out, which I can't talk about because, you know, the marketing <laughs> right. over my cube and punch, punches me in the face. Um, <laughs> but, but there's some stuff coming out fairly soon. And then 
we go into our next update and then we expand the story from there and we expand the story even more and you get to see why the Undine are doing what they're doing and what's really going on. Um, and so that's what we all, that's what we get to start thinking about now. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. also along the same, the same vein of including awesome story pieces. Um, I, uh-huh damn near squeed uh, when I saw that you were including DS9 and Memory Alpha in the story of the game. Um, From a writing standpoint, how difficult was it to really integrate integrate them into the story? Um, They they were easy to integrate in the story. There was actually one point very, very early in the project where somebody said, well, you can go to Deep Space Nine, but you can't go inside. I'm like, so I have to have, you know, a whole season of content flying around the outside. (laughs) (laughs) So luckily, that is not the case. <laughs> very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that leads me to my next question. Obviously, these are two very important Star Trek locations. Um, they've been a very integral part of the story in the past, as we've seen in many of the movies and shows. Um, how elaborate is their integration into the game? How deep does it run? Um, well, they're both social bases. Um, Memory Alpha, of course, is a research facility. Deep Space Nine is very integrated into the game. That area of the game... Um, you know, Zeke Sparks, who's our lead content designer, draws all these fabulous maps and charts and graphs that show the progression of the game and where the players are supposed to go. And in the Cardassian area, there's all these arrows that are continually pointing back to Deep Space Nine. Because when you get back, when you get to it, you know, that's what that show was. And we wanted that experience. We're fans of the show. So we wanted that experience as well. So that's getting very integrated into that area. Okay, so it's it's safe to assume that these are going to be intricate parts of the story for the game, um, yep. possibly quest hubs, maybe even targets that we might have to defend, possibly, maybe? Yes. <laughs> she says quite reluctantly, we notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're talking about I, some of your... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I don't want to spoil the game for everybody. I want you to come and experience the stories for yourself. <laughs> yeah, but you're well, allowed some spoilers. Case in point, you're talking about your favorite quest line. Um, do you have one, and not necessarily anything that's a low level, but just point period in the game at the moment, what would you say is one of your favorite quest lines? Oh, I've got a bunch that are my favorite. One of my favorite missions is one of the ones that's going to be coming out after launch, which is just simply just fun um i love the triple episode i love there's a little just short mission on deep space nine called temple offerings which is one of my favorites and because i got to take a little bit from the show that i just loved and put it in and as i was writing it i had like three people come by my desk and go oh my god are you doing this and i was like yes (laughs) um you know as soon as i as soon as i went over to the guys who make create all our items and said i need ten thousand wrappages of yamak sauce they knew exactly what i was going to do so So obviously this is a a labor of love for you and your team uh, as you've previously stated um how do you feel that this compares to all the other games around you right now that are coming out that are announced uh how do you feel about it compared to them you know, I don't necessarily compare our game to any other game. Um, it's tough to do because, A, it's, my, it's our baby, you know. But um, there's no 
cryptic is kind of unusual in that that we're not sitting around going, oh my gosh, what is what is WoW doing today, or what is Eve doing today, or what is Mass Effect doing today? You know, we we're gamers. So we play games. We play games all the time. Um, and so I'm excited to see those games come out because then I get to buy them and play them. But um, <laughs> I'm not necessarily worried about what they're doing compared to what we're doing. <laughs> Well, that's good. It's a, and you're creating something that's different enough than a lot of what is out there. I damn near say anything that's out there simply because you've split it so cleanly between the ship combat and the away missions. It's not just one type of game. It's not an EVE where it's all ship-based, and it's not a traditional MMO on the ground either. Yeah, so- and I, th- I think that worked out pretty well. Yeah. Now, you've created a timeline that's rife with conflict as well. Now, this is something you've kind of come under the gun with uh, with Trekkies because of this, some of them. Um, but it is something that you are seeing a lot more, at least, again, in the early levels. We certainly are seeing that where there is, this is a Star Trek, as you've said before, a Star Trek at war. Um, when you are, say, working on the next content that you're planning and whatnot, are you looking for a wide story arc wherein there is potentially more peace or different different elements that are not mainly conflict? Oh, we, we're always looking for things like that. Um, a lot of what's going to come in the future updates is what players want. Um, we're going to go back and look, and especially after launch, and say, okay, well, they really liked this, so we need more of this. Or they didn't like this, so we don't need as much of this. And um, what the players want is really going to drive future developments. So, um, you know, it's just going to depend, you know, it is a conflict war. There is a lot of conflict. Like I said earlier, writing a video game is different than writing a novel. Um, if I were writing a novel, would I have necessarily had all of this going on at once? Maybe not. In a video game, you know, we can't have like, well, there's some stuff going on for like 40 hours and then you get 10 hours of crafting and talking to the Andorians about trade agreements. Um, so <laughs> it just doesn't work. <laughs> All right. Um, and back to the game and like the characters and that we're going to be interacting with. Um, have there any main characters that you've created solely for the game, like uh, NPCs that everybody will be able to interact with and you know know and love and be able to use in conversation somehow? You know, kind of like how there's always that debate between Picard and Kirk. Are we going to have those same types of love and debate with NPCs in the game? Um. I, I hope so, but then I don't hope so. Like, there are characters I just love. Like, I love Ambassador Bot because he's so devious. And um, there's a, a mission in the Badlands that has a character that I'm just very, very fond of. Um, but this is the story of the players. This is one of the reasons that we pushed it ahead to 2409 is that Jean-Luc Picard and Benjamin Sisko and William T. Riker and a lot of these people aren't active anymore. Um, so the Federation and the Klingon Empire aren't looking to them to save the world. They're working to the players. So I want this to be your guys' story and not necessarily the story of the NPCs. Fair enough. Uh, but along that same line, obviously you've created a, a slew of NPCs. Um, would you say that the Ambassador is your favorite in the entire storyline of the Star Trek universe? Uh, or you know, do you have another one that just ranks among like the absolute favorite? I don't know if I have an absolute favorite. That's like trying to pick a favorite amongst your kids. Um, you know, <laughs> Sometimes I mean, that's possible. One of my, 
One of my favorite characters is one that hasn't even appeared in the game yet. She's only appeared in like the path of 24-9 and it's mostly people talking about her. I'm very fond of Milani Dion. Um, I kind of hope you guys get a chance to meet her at some time. Well, also along the lines of a storyline here, uh, we know that we are back at war with the Klingons. That is the major point, uh, at least at the beginning. Um, Would you classify them as our truly epic foe, or are we going to see like a war on all fronts? Uh, Do you have bigger things planned, essentially? The Klingons are not the big bad. Well, that was fast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and in fact, the, Kling- the Klingons are not the bad. The Klingons, yes, there is a war between the Federation and the Klingons, but it's because they have different mindsets. They look at the world differently. Neither of them is the bad guy. Um, so, but there are other entities that are manipulating things. So that will come out in the story of the game. Excellent. <laughs> now, having worked on this project for quite a while now, what would you say has been your favorite part of it? Like the thing that stands out the most to you? Um, the thing that stands out the most to me is the team I work with. This is just a fabulous, fabulous bunch of people. Very dedicated, very creative. Um, just a lot of fun to be around. You know, a huge chunk of us gave up our Christmas vacations and came in here and worked all through the break so we could make a better game. And it was fun. It was, you know, yeah, it would have been nice to go home and see my mom, but it was fun and it was because we were, we were all here. So, <laughs> Are you feeling that the game is being rushed right now or or anything? Because like, we, I don't know, it's been, a lot of people have been saying as well, that you're getting the feeling that it, it seems like it's being rushed out of the door as soon as possible. There are a lot of things that go into when a game releases. Um, Luckily, I don't have to deal with those things because I'm just the writer. Fair (laughs) enough. I I think we've turned out a good product. Um, And like because it's never finished, we get to go in and add to and expand to it. It's not like a console game where it's like, well, we're done. Let's, you know, go on to the next one. Well, basically, you've built your framework and now you can do whatever you want with it from there on. Right. Okay. Well, the beta has been going really, really, really strong uh, for a couple weeks now. I mean, you guys had a huge turnout, a larger one than you anticipated. Um, And it's also been extended at this point. How does that make you feel? I mean, this is your baby. How does that make you feel to to have uh, such a turnout for it? It has been so cool getting in and even just, you know, I just sit in Club 47 and Earth Space Dock and just watch the zone chat and see all the people in the game and all the people enjoying the game. And the first day of beta, you know, somebody said, well, I don't know how many people are going to play. And I threw out this totally ridiculous number and then we passed it. So <laughs> we, awesome. we've been happy. <laughs> that is very good to hear. Yeah. Well, it has definitely been a very popular beta, and I'm just hoping that it is going to be a smooth, smooth launch as well. That's coming up very soon. How are you guys feeling the pressure from that now? Um, luckily, you know, we, you know, our part we've had to kind of step back because the latest thing for the past few days has been get the build make it stable. So we're not going to jump in and make a whole bunch of crazy changes. Um, 
And so it's, we get to go ahead to the other stuff and then, you know, net ops and publishing and stuff to get to rip their hair out and make sure that the launch goes stable. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's hoping that the launch is in fact quite stable and that it, it does draw as many people as possible like the, uh, the beta did. So with that, we're going to let you get back to work because you undoubtedly have a lot to do. And uh, thank you once again for the interview. We do appreciate your time a lot. Oh, no problem. Yes, thank and you very, hopefully very if we do this again, we won't be doing the same interview. <laughs> we definitely will not. <laughs> that goes without saying. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Christine. Take care. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Don't touch your volumes, though. You guys are perfect. Cool. No, no, your volumes are perfect. (laughs) The the first and last time we will ever hear him say that. Yeah, it'll change about partway through. Partway through is be like, Joe, you're cracking. Rick, you sound like a douchebag. Fix your mic. I don't think you can fix no amount of fixing your mic. (laughs) (laughs) But he canceled his tattoo, or it's tattoo what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> nothing man does Never that have mind. to do with anything <laughs> I'm on a totally different wavelength than you guys screw it Never mind. I'm, I'm not I'm not living with the post-traumatic Star Trek online beta syndrome I'm, I'm good alright yeah man he said on Twitter he's like what the fuck blah, blah. I'm not getting my game till February 2nd Amazon can suck my tape blah. yeah there he is oh right right, right right yes I don't know. Okay, so apparently it's going to take three to five business days for my funds to be posted back to my account, which is not what I wanted. I was just asking. So, you fucking bastards. <laughs> you, you know what? God they did. damn. They <laughs> no, no, hold on a minute. Steam employees, if you're listening, learn to fucking read, okay? I don't think I could possibly have made it any clearer when I say, I'm just asking a question. I did not see this anywhere. How would one go about doing it if one so desired? You fucking <laughs> cockstains. Did the they reply this to you in an email? All, no, not even a fucking email. They replied on their goddamn support website. I got no notification in the fucking email, and I checked my email rather compulsively because I have it on my fucking iPhone, and there's no fucking number for me to call and yell at some asshole. So, so he's yelling at us instead. He's yelling at us. You know, I can imagine the Steam dude's like, check this guy out. Like, How dare you ask? Then just screws up your whole account right there. That's what he's going to do. You're not going to see your money for three weeks. <laughs> Don't mess with the powers that be Steam. Yeah, I'm not going to bother getting into it. <laughs> well, let's, just say, let's just say I've ruined at least one life. That was his last girlfriend. Oh, what the hell, hey, dude? Hey, hey, <laughs> Wow. Okay, anyways. <laughs> Jesus man, Christ, you two. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> put up with you two sometimes. I swear to God. Okay. Anyway, we're off this topic. Bunch of fuck nuts. Unbelievable. Please put this in the show. Don't, don't, don't cut this out. Christ. Yeah. Why? Where do I go from that? See, there's no way you can segue nor transition no, into your beginning. No, your there just isn't. Take a, big, take a big deep breath and just go. I love being the minority here. Absolutely love it. Welcome to our world. 
<laughs> You're a Cuban in Florida. You're not a minority. <laughs> true, you know, true facts. True facts. I make up the vast majority of Northern Christ. Florida. Well, welcome. See, I can't know. After all that. This is the first time in how many freaking shows that he finally fucked up the intro. Oh. I need to take a bow, I think. Jesus Christ. I was just going to type in the wave. For Christ's sake, stop talking. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, if you're imagining it and you're getting all hot for me, that's fine and dandy, mate. But I'm not breathing heavy into the mic. Don't worry. Roger. I'm coming. Just give me a second. It's the perfect time. That's what she were... said. Okay, Rush. we are back with four. Shut up. I was talking. You, you, Sorry. You, I'm just. Why do you. God, why saying. do you hate me why so? Do you hate me so much? <laughs> Am I clear to go? Okay. okay, go. I don't understand how. I just lowered it to. F you know the little the little thing that you pull to drag. You go left for down. You don't go right I'm... for. <laughs> <sighs> Jackass. Don't worry, I'm not gonna fab. Okay. <laughs> Hurry up and yeah, man, you got I... class. You got so much class. Why don't we bring more women on the show? It's pretty bad that Rick has more class than you. Not really. Hey, I'm a gamer too. I've heard a lot worse than that. I was going to say. She may be female, but she's also a geek. So I'm yeah. certain she's heard much, much. All right. It's the perfect time of day To throw all your cares away Put the sprinkler on the lawn 